Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. This is episode one of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and I'm chatting with Bjorn Benston, who's worked in the industry for over 30 years with brands like Theory, Fila, Ted Baker, and Helly Hansen. He also works as an adjunct professor for Parsons and FIT in New York City and mentors aspiring designers. Bjorn shares interview tips for landing your first job in the industry, what you can do to prepare for the real fashion world while still in school, and what to include and not include in your portfolio. Before we jump to the interview, I want to remind you of the free templates, tutorials, and resources I've created to help designers like you get ahead in fashion. You can find all of them on the Successful Fashion Designer Network at sfdnetwork.com free. To access the show notes for today's episode, visit sfdnetwork.com one. Now on to the interview with Bjorn. Okay, so I'm, my name is Bjorn Bengtsson. I am currently employed as the chief merchandising officer for an e-commerce company called Untucket. Uh, Untucket is uh, a men's company primarily specialized in woven shirts. Prior to that, I worked uh, in both uh, designer sportswear as well as in the golf industry, as well as with uh, private label developments. Basically, I have a 30 years of experience from the industry, primarily in men's. I worked with design, product development, and production primarily during those years. Uh, I'm also a part-time adjunct professor at Parsons School of Design. I've been that for 12 years, and I'm also a part-time adjunct with FIT for about the same period of time. Uh, I really got in uh, in the industry by slipping on a banana peel, kind of, because I went to university studying economics, and I was totally set on working for a research organization back in Stockholm, Sweden, that focused on uh, international investments. Uh, and then my last year in college, one of my friends worked in a clothing store, and he said there was an opening for some extra temp kind of staff uh, weekends. And as a student, you always need a little extra cash. So I signed on, and uh, I just absolutely kind of fell in love with fashion. I always had a fashion interest, but that kind of opened my eyes to a couple of different things that I haven't thought about before. So once I graduated from college, I actually started to work for um, an accessory apparel company in Stockholm, and that's how I started. And 30 years later, here I am (laughs) in the industry still. (laughs) So that's like a quick recap of who I am in background. No, it's actually really impressive because, I mean, your your resume and your experience is quite expansive, and you also teach at two of the top fashion schools in New York. And, I mean, you kind of, like you said, you very randomly got into the industry. So how did you, you that first job during your college years uh, was in retail, is that correct? Yeah, yes. And then after that, how did you land that first job 
doing something a little bit more um, behind the scenes as opposed to on the front line of the fashion industry? Yeah, I think to land your first job, and not me, because every situation is a little bit different. And mine was most certainly a little bit particular because it was really a friend of the family who offered me a job. And, you know, I would say that contacts, of course, is very important. And I understand coming out of college, it's a little bit hard to kind of get contacts. So in order to land a job in the industry in general, I think uh, the best the best advice. Hold on, a second. The best advice is really uh, to, I think, get an internship. I think that is like really a prerequisite, really, to get into the industry is is to have an internship. Then, of course, contact is very important. I got my first job based on a contact, but I think uh, 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 several of my jobs in the industry has really come from friends in the industry or people referring me. But the key is really to get the first job. And uh, in order to be considered in the industry, you need something fashion on your resume. And in lieu of everything else, of course, an internship is a good start, I think. And I think that's great advice. Um, I mean, do you find, you know, the industry is pretty competitive and I... I do you find that even to get that internship, you need something fashion-related on your resume before that, like you're in fashion school or, um, I don't know, something? Um, how can well, a designer I, just go with nothing and say, I want this internship? Well, I think, uh, of course, it helps if you have a fashion college. You know, uh, That, of course, indicates to the person who you're sending the resume that you have made a decision to dedicate yourself to the fashion industry. So, of course, that helps. Uh, and and starting off with a fashion college is definitely the first step towards getting a job in the fashion industry. Not only that, but if most of the fashion colleges also offer the chance to internships and the, con- the connections uh, you get from that school uh, many times helps you also get your first job. So, uh, But you're absolutely right. The industry is extremely competitive. And not only that, the industry is also shrinking a little bit. Mm-hmm. And there is actually less job every year. And, uh, uh, you know, so it's that, of course, increases the competitiveness in the industry in general. So, uh, but I, I think at the same time as it shrinks, it's also requiring um, new type of skills and specialties that I think, is interesting and I, I believe can help many young people want to get into the industry um, as an entry, as a gateway into the industry, I would say. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, um, my background, I did not go to fashion school. Um, I, I studied graphic design, but I kind of launched my own label just on the side. It was, um, I just started making clothes and, and selling them and doing fashion shows. And then I was able to break into the industry by taking what I had done all DIY, all the stuff I had done on my own, and kind of put that in my portfolio, put that on my resume, and then get my foot in the door at my first fashion design job. So how um, attainable do you think opportunities are for designers who you know, maybe don't have the opportunity to go to college um, for whatever long list of reasons, but they really want to break into the industry? So just kind of doing something on their own, packaging that up on their portfolio and their resume, and then presenting themselves that way to try to break in to get that first level internship or entry level assistant job. Do you see that much in, in the hiring that you've done over the years and, and people you've worked with? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I hired people without the fashion college degree. So I think to me, the first job is really about personality. Uh, when you actually get to the interview, the question is rather how you get to the interview. But once you get to the interview, I do believe that uh, what's going to land your job is really up to you. Who are you? What's your outlook uh, on on the industry? Uh, what do you think is your good personal characteristics that you want to bring into the industry? I think it's much more down to that. But if you're looking at the first major hurdle, which is really get an interview, in your case, uh, I think that is not a way I would recommend because the reason is that I think you you stand to lose a lot of money mm-hmm. uh, if you start your own business out right out of school. Uh, but uh, let me use that a little bit as I th- as what I think is really a good way for a designer is that if you don't have a lot of work in your portfolio, why not look at the industry and look at a segment you want to work in, whether that be moderate, contemporary, contemporary or designer, or whatever it might be. Why don't you create a capsule uh, collection that you think will appeal to that particular target market? And in that, making that kind of uh, capsule collection, work with a color story, with a fabric story, with a concept, with inspiration, and develop the shapes just as you were giving an assignment from any of those companies you like to work on, on creating something for the upcoming spring or fall, whatever it might be. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea to go to an interview with just your school portfolio. I don't think that's going to get you too many jobs. I think you need to, because schoolwork is very, many times very conceptual and not always applicable to what goes on in the industry from a commercial standpoint. So develop something by yourself that you feel could be good for those five to ten companies you really want to interview with and then when you show your portfolio actually develop time in developing something that you feel is relevant from a commercial standpoint you took the expensive road which is actually doing it uh, of, of course if you have the means and you want to try to do something like that and develop samples and everything uh, that's a great way of course to approach something too uh, but you don't have to go to that extent. So what I just talked about as setting up a project for yourself, it's a more, much more cost-efficient way of kind of showing your abilities outside of your college. What have you done and what do you think will be good for the industry? That's really great advice. Um, yeah. So, And that's something I hear from designers all the time too who are just students and they're trying to kind of break in their they, – they, Sometimes I almost think they over-label their work as like fake, I don't want to say fake, but um, you know, these pretend projects that you do for school or that you just made up, like it wasn't actually something that went into production, that went into development. And so they're always wondering, how do I present this as my school work versus do I pretend it's actual work or where's the fine line between that? Or do I just put it in my portfolio and I don't really label it and I kind of just let it sit there and be assumed? Yeah, well, I, I, I don't think it's an idea to dis, to not disclose what, it, what the work was done, for what purpose it was done. Uh, my uh, assumption is that anyone with more than 50 years' experience with the interview will know immediately what is what by mm-hmm. just looking at portfolios. I would never, ever uh, try to say that that is something I work with because it's very obvious when I look at portfolios from entry-level designers, what they did in school, because those kind of projects have a particular angle or twist to them 
while uh, a real work project uh, is like slightly different, it's a little bit more commercials, a little bit more straight to the point. And it's pretty easy to distinguish the two, I think, in mm-hmm. an interview. So I, I wouldn't do that. But unfortunately, today, most people into designers, especially entry level, they want to see some kind of project from the designer. So the ever upcoming issue, hiring designers always, why don't you do five outfits for us for spring 2018 or eighteen or whatever the season might be? That is a request that most designers face today and uh, why not why not do it in advance you know and uh, have something in your portfolio that maybe evoke a little bit more confidence in the person that hires you that you have the right taste level because that's all it's about it's about the taste level and the point of view all designers have their own personal uh, point of view on fashion it's all about how many different levels of the industry can I apply my taste level to and be successful? You know, and most interviewers looking for how well can you apply your point of view in fashion uh, in our product, developing and designing our product for our customer. That is like the number one question to resolve for anyone who interviews a designer. So as a designer comes into the interview, you already know you're going to ask them to design five outfits for a test project. So if they came in with that already done, you're impressed right off the bat because that shows their initiative and their ambition to say, you know what, I kind of had a level of expectation of what you were going to ask me to do, so I'm just going to give it to you up front on a silver platter. Yeah. Well, uh, I would maybe not phrase it like that, but that is uh, the, the, the spirit of what I'm saying. But uh, rather, um, I'm really interested in, in you as a company, and uh, I really feel that this segment is the best. It's a segment of the business where I, my capabilities and creativity lends itself best. And I have been working on my own to develop concepts that I think could be really good for this particular segment, for this particular customer. Sure. Uh, you know, I think that's a good opening to a conversation. At the same time, of course, you put yourself in a position. If they don't like it, they're not going to get the job. But uh, <laughs> at least it, it shows, it takes a step forward, you know, rather than, than relying on just a college portfolio. Yeah. So what are some things, um, I mean, you, you've been in a lot of upper management, um, high-level positions, and I would assume over the 30 years have done a lot of interviews, have seen a lot of portfolios. Um, are there any things that kind of stand out over the years that designers have done to really impress you? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, good portfolios always impress me, okay? Uh, someone who has spent a lot of time working on the portfolio always impresses me. Uh, also people who can show a little bit of versatility in the portfolios and actually expose me to their point of view as it applies to different type of of segments of the markets always impresses me. So for let's say for instance you're a men's designer and your portfolio from college is probably very avant-garde um, and it kind of challenged conventions etc because that's usually what you do in college. And then you work on projects afterwards, which one is maybe a little bit more high end, the other might be dress shirts, the third might be um, active wear, etc. When you can show that kind of versatility in your portfolio, um, 
I get impressed because it means to me you're able to take your point of view and use it for different product categories, for different uses for the consumer. I think that is important. So that impresses me. The other thing that usually impresses me is designers that is good beyond basic shapes. Um, you know, can you do a great color story? Can you put together an exciting fabric story? Have you thought about the relationship between shape and fabric and how you can challenge conventions there from a commercial perspective? And do you have some good little ideas or tweaks and updates to classic garments, which uh, kind of would work for market? Those things impress me. When designers show uh, a little bit more depth to what the job is, and also show versatility. I think those two things are very important. Interesting. Um, so speaking of portfolios, um, what are your thoughts on the requirement to have a digital portfolio or like a website versus maybe just sending you a PDF and then showing up with the physical portfolio? Because I get asked all the time, um, do I have to have a website? You know, I just don't know how to put it together. How important is digital presence? Well, um, I think that uh, as the business is competitive, digital portfolios are important. Why are they important? Well, because the people who interview uh, do not want to waste any time. And if um, they can take a quick look at your work in a digital, and these things doesn't really cost anything. And there's plenty of forums and platforms you can use to display your work. You don't need really more than four PDFs, you know, for with things on it and I think it's very important to it's almost like a little bit like a business card of a designer and I think it's important to have those things so unfortunately what people are going to use it for is quickly put an X in the yes or no box but that's kind of the rule of the game right now when it's highly competitive and uh, if you have the, the only thing the only comfort there is if you have the right stuff you're going to get an interview Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's important. The, the other thing is um, the, the industry is shifting very much towards illustrators. So if you're not a brilliant sketcher, I wouldn't sketch. I will use illustrator for sketching. I think it's much better, much more important to be a brilliant illustrator designer than it is to be a freehand sketcher today. So um, forget all those things you have in school where you have to draw full figures and all that. I, to me, that is not important because uh, a great designer is not always the one who has a great hand. You know, the great designer is someone, someone who's able to express their ideas, whether it be illustrator free and I don't really care. Uh, I personally prefer illustrator because that's what most of the industry uses today. But that's like also an important um, aspect of it because most designers can become brilliant in illustrator, but either you have a good hand or you don't have a good hand. And if you don't have a good hand, uh, you get judged. So um, if you feel like your artistic skills as comes to drawing is not as great as, and it's easy to compare yourself with other students in your class, if you feel you're in the middle to lower range somewhere, you should definitely resort to use illustrator instead for your portfolio and just don't include any hand sketches in your portfolio that's okay yes i would not okay interesting mm. very interesting insight yeah. um so speaking of you know learning um all the hand sketching in school and we kind of touched on that and you you teach as as we mentioned earlier at both of um 
two of the top fashion schools in the world, Parsons and FIT in New York City. Uh, what are some of the differences you'd see between students and what's learned in the classroom versus employees and what's required in the office? Because you're in this really interesting position where you're very involved in both worlds. You work mm. in the industry, you have worked in the industry for many years, you teach in the industry, you have taught. And so what are some of the differences you see um, between those two spaces? Well, I mean, if, first of all, um, uh, they're two completely different spaces, okay? Uh, when you get into workplace, when you interview and become a designer and you this, your end-level position, you're going to spend the first two, three years doing tech packs, okay? So that's why I'm saying illustrator skills much more important because most companies use illustrator. And they're going to put you in front of a... A Mac, and they're going to have you do illustrated sketches, detail sketches, execution, and you're going to do a little bit of, of everything in the design world, but that's going to be your primary area of responsibility. Right? So uh, with that said, um, I have not interviewed one designer just from the, uh, and just hired them because they were great illustrator designer. That's not going to happen. In the end, at the end of the day, you need to be creative to be a designer. And that has not changed in the 30 years I've been in the industry, and I don't think it's going to change in the foreseeable future. There's always a need for very creative individuals, right? Because fashion lives on creativity, and if you're going to succeed as a designer, you will need to be have a creative mindset, and you have to be able to, to express your creative ideas in a professional situation. In the school... The creative aspect is overemphasized, right? It's been like that in education for a very long time, that design schools, of course, stress the creative aspects of design over and over again, which I think is the right thing to do. But as you apply for a job, um, the box gets a lot smaller. And uh, the biggest surprise to most design students is not that they're going to maybe do the science, but they're going to have to do it for a particular customer in a very short short amount of time. Right? So there's a lot of constraints that is placed on you as a designer once you walk into the industry and start to work. And I think there's like probably a disconnect between fashion education and the actual demands on entry-level designers and what they need to do. Yeah. And so as a fashion student, what could someone do to be a little bit more proactive to be prepared for that first job versus what they're well, learning I mean, in school versus what they're actually going to have to do on in the job? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's it's. I, I I will give a personal opinion on that question, not really the opinion of educational or fashion schools in general. My my. My personal opinion is that if you're a designer and the only thing that interests you in fashion is the creative aspects of fashion, um, you might succeed. But my guess is you will stand, you will have fewer opportunities to succeed uh, than a designer who is very creatively inclined, but also interested somewhat of the uh, commercial aspects of fashion. That is, how do you actually produce these things? Uh, what is the timeline for producing things and how does it work when you actually go on wholesale and produce and distribute the product? If, you're, um, if your sphere of interest stretches beyond the traditional design duties, I think you stand a better chance 
in your career to reach the top level as a creative director or vice president of design. Because in those positions, the company will also put requirements on you to understand the business and work to grow the business at hand. Uh, so it doesn't hurt very early on to try to understand other aspects of the industry which might not be exactly design related. And this is also the problem I have many times when I mentor designers who want to start their own label. They have a very good idea what they want to do. They have a great sensibility and a point of view on fashion, but they have absolutely no clue on how you actually make clothes uh, in, in production you know, bulk production, how to cost the product, how to market the product, um, how to discern between different distribution levels, and the list goes on and on and on. Uh, and many times they fail or they struggle immensely because they don't understand all the other components because fashion starts and ends with a great product, but there's a lot of different things that you have to add on to that in order to be successful in the industry. And you just pretty much answered my next question, but yeah. um, from one of your bios I had read, um, your skills are in the area of interactions between design, merchandising, and production in the product development process. And so it's this idea that, you know, just having this great idea, just having the design is one piece of the bigger puzzle. It's a much bigger picture than that to take that design and like you said, turn it into an actual product. Um, cost it appropriately, sell it, um, all the business and logistical aspects of the, the design world that I think, um, like you said, a lot of designers don't think about that, get so caught up with the creative side. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's examples of the latter type of design work, and Mark Jacobs is a very good example, okay? Mark Jacobs came out of Parson, extremely talented, very creative individual, uh, but once he went out on his own, he actually opted to have a partner, okay? And his partner, whose name I just lost, but his partner ever since. So here you have a situation where you have a creative head and you have a business head. If you're fortunate enough to find someone to guide you through your career who has can complement you in the business side, fine. But I, I would never <clears throat> walk out of a fashion school and take for granted that I'm always going to be supportive with people who have a sense of the business, and I don't need to know anything about that because I will have a partner who does it. Okay, that that doesn't always happen, you know. So uh, in, at the end of the day, as a designer, the requirements on me to succeed in today's economy is a little bit different than they were maybe in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, where people got backed by a big company and they said, don't worry about anything. Here's your design studio, go and design. And end of the story, I can do all those things and I don't have to worry about anything else. Uh, today, I think we all have become much more interdependent. Right? The silos and compartments that used to exist in fashion companies are kind of slowly crumbling. Right? So I think the skills of the future is definitely more more horizontal in the organization than they are and maybe a vertical in your means that you have to have a lot of different skills in order to succeed in the future interesting um so as a designer in school i mean what would be some things you could do to kind of help educate yourself on some of these other aspects of the industry that you mentioned are really essential to kind of getting your foot in the door the first time around 
Yeah, well, I mean, the problem is with students today is that, uh, you know, at Parsons in particular, they, they kind of overload their schedules already with classes and all the things they have to do in internships. So they have very little time. I mean, uh, the, the complexity of putting together a curriculum for science students is the very fact that they don't have enough time to give for us to provide them with all the education they really need in the years they're at school. So if you do not have the time, I would say at least keep your curiosity going and in the world outside of design. And if you don't have time for anything, at least read business or fashion every day. Okay? At least try to keep up to date with articles of interest and uh, people who are, have some wisdom in the business, what they write about marketing, about e-commerce, about all these things that is now become an integral, integral part of what we do in fashion, that will be my minimum requirement. If you happen to have a little bit more time left over, why not take some business courses? Why not take a merchandising class? Why not take some classes that are more on the commercial side of things? You know, Or at least have an interest in that. I have to tell you, one of the things I hear most um, from Parsons students that I hire and work with through my years is that I wish the school taught us something about all these expectations that business has on us when it comes to time and action calendar, when it comes to merchandising plans, and when it comes to working in unison with a sales merchandising team. Mm -hmm. And nobody taught us that. Nobody prepared us for that. And I think that, that overwhelmingly that is the one feedback I get from design students in general. Okay? You can learn on the job. Sure. No problem. You will be exposed to it at work. But to have some preparation uh, before you enter into the business world is, of course, beneficial. Um, you mentioned just kind of at the beginning of that statement of just keep an open mind and, and be curious. And one of the things that I, um, I mean, like I said, I didn't go to fashion school, but I got my first job. And once I got in there, I asked a million questions. I wanted to understand why this happened and why this was done this way and um, just was super curious about everything. And I think that... Mm -hmm. You know, I don't. I don't know how much that's in a personality trait versus how much that can be taught. But I've always said, you know, a lot of people are happy to teach you as long as you're willing to put in the effort to learn and you show that you're interested. So be humble and 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 ask questions when you don't know something or try to understand why something works a certain way. And mm -hmm. I mean, you can gain so much insight just by, by being curious. Absolutely. I mean, to me, uh, curiosity and a creative mind is kind of this two sides of the same coin. You know, how can you stay creative if you're not curious? Mm -hmm. uh, it's very hard to explore your own creativity if you don't have a curious mindset. If you don't ask questions, you're not going to find anything out. And But I think it is a little bit of a mindset. You know, there are certain people who are very curious. There's designers <clears throat> who work I work with who is really interested in fabrics, and when I take them to fabric shows, they will ask the fabric mills questions. You know, how did you make this? Is there a particular finish on this fabric? You know, that's a curious mind. They're not just, oh, beautiful fabric. They also, how do you actually make this? How do you make it so beautiful? Because next time I see a fabric that is not so beautiful, maybe have a solution to make it more beautiful, etc., etc. So, of course, curiosity is tremendously helpful in furthering your skills and thereby your creativity. I mean, my, my favorite 
put up on a pedestal is always Leonardo da Vinci, who is probably a, a creative genius that stands the test of today. I mean, his curiosity and ingenuity and how he explored all these different areas outside of his own area of specialty is absolutely astounding. And, uh, so there you have a mind that effortlessly wandered between engineering, medical science, and art. And uh, that is kind of a good, I think, a little bit to keep as a, nobody will be Leonardo da Vinci again. I think just his mentality and how he looked upon the world uh, as an artist uh, is kind of amazing because it goes to prove that if you explore other things and you're curious about other areas, you will learn so much more. Yeah. So what do you think about the thought that you know, if you're not curious about the industry you're working in, maybe it's not the right industry. And, and the fashion industry is one of those that, I mean, you really, you have to really be passionate, I think, to really make it in this industry. It's not something that you can take very lightly. Yeah, I, I think, uh, of course, you touch on a little bit of a sore subject here. Uh, or, or it, 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 Listen, to be totally frank about this. I think one of the greatest liabilities you can have as a designer is, of course, not to self-assess, okay? Um, of all the designers that graduate design schools or enter into the field of design, maybe 10% of them are exceptionally talented, right? That doesn't mean you're not gonna get the job if you're a good designer, but uh, to be a, a, a fantastic designer, you are really, you got it from the beginning, all right? And so as a designer, you have to always assess your own skills and your own abilities. Not everybody's gonna work for uh, Hermes and Brunello Cuccinelli, okay? Some of us gonna work with other companies, whether they moderate the budget or whatever they are. I think it's important um, as a designer to always take a little bit your own temperature and see where do I stand here and what is my level of talent and what are my skills, etc. And make an assessment of yourself and your own abilities. Uh, I think many, many designers end up being disappointed because they can't get the job they want, but you have to remember uh, the competition in, is intense. Uh, when competition is intense, uh, it means that only the strongest will rise to the top. And um, if you feel like when you go to school as a designer and you're in the middle of the class somewhere, um, you have to think a little bit about your career and what you can achieve. And uh, uh, you, you made a comment here on passion. To me, it's a prerequisite in the industry. If you don't have that, you're not going to succeed because it's just the job is just too hard, too time-consuming. And not only is it hard because it's a lot of work, it's hard because it's an emotional job. Whenever you design something, you put your emotions on a piece of paper. And I met very few designers who are able to totally separate themselves from their work on an emotional level. It's just not possible. So if you have a big ego 
and uh, uh, or you don't have the right passion, um, it's very likely that the, the design in fashion is not for you. Right? And, and many designers fail to recognize that and fail to admit that and maybe go on and spend 10 years of their life in an industry that they end up not being successful in. So. Interesting. Um, your perspective is really fascinating. I mean, you've had so much experience and, um, I mean, you've worked, I know you've, you spent some time at theory and then you've done Greg Norman. So you have a good span of different, um, sort of tiers in the industry, uh, which I think gives you this really interesting oversight and perspective. Um, I will end with, um, the question that I am asking everybody at the end of the interview. Um, what is one question that you always wish people would ask you about working in fashion, but nobody ever does? Uh, that's a that's a very good question. Um, uh, I I I think a good question to ask, uh, someone maybe is not so interview appropriate, is um, do you enjoy working in fashion? Uh, because at my tender age and the years I've worked in this, I still wake up every morning loving what I do. And I always say I love fashion. I hate fashion people. But that, <laughs> that's, a, that's a subjective comment for me. But yeah. I really love what I do. And I, I, I think I've been uh, in very few situations where I haven't loved what I do. And I, I think it speaks to my own passion for what I do. I love the, the idea that you take something beautiful in fabric form and you convert it into something you can wear and looks beautiful all the way to the finish. And the reason it looks beautiful all the way to the finish is that if you combine these abilities of selecting the right fabric with the right shape and the right color, you get something really amazing in, in at the end. And that never stops amazing me. And it really what drives me in every single situation. So, um, you know, if you want to, find what the industry is about ask people that question and then you judge for yourself uh, whether you like the response or not and uh, I don't think every single person in the industry will give an equally passionate reply to no and I think yeah. that's really a little a difference maker yeah that is such an amazing question and so simple and seems so obvious but then you yeah, said yeah. it and I'm like wait no nobody ever does ask that <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so if you interview an old guy like me or, or someone who's been in the industry for a long time, um, I, I don't think it's wrong in an interview with saying, listen, I have one question and it might be a little bit more out, out of the box and, and maybe you don't want to answer it. But I, I wonder what keeps you, what, what do you love about this industry? What is it that keeps you kind of continuing in the business and uh, et cetera and see what people say. You yeah. know, it's kind of interesting if it's just, well, if you get a reply equaling kind of I'm here for the paycheck, uh, that person's probably not made the right choices in life. So, um, you know, and I think um, 
it's important to love what you do. If you don't love what you do, um, then you're going to go to work being nauseous every Monday morning. And that is like not a good situation to be in. So No, that's not. And and I think it's a good question. I mean, it, it wouldn't necessarily have to be asked in an interview. It could be asked in a more casual sort exactly. of networking yes. situation or something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. just conversational. Mm. I love mm-hmm. that. Bjorn, this was really, really fantastic and so many great insights for designers trying to break into the industry and get themselves prepared as well as um, kind of work their way up. Is there somewhere that people can find you online and connect with you? Yeah, I'm I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, Bjorn Bengtsson uh, okay. on Parson, so it's easy to find me. All right. I, I do do some mentorship, and I do advise all my students. I meet with students five, six, seven years back still to give them advice. I don't mind as long uh, I have time. I do those things. Uh, of course, I put priority to my um, uh, past and present students, but I have advised other people who come to me to friends and acquaintances, etc. So I'm not uh, saying no. But it's a little bit uh, depending on what time I have to my disposal, etc. That is great. Okay. I will add the um, link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes so yeah. people can connect with you. And um, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And it was really fun to chat with you, My Bjorn. pleasure. Okay. 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 Take care, Heidi. Okay. Talk to you. Thank you for listening to episode one of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned, visit the show notes at sfdnetwork.com slash one. And since you made it this far, you must have liked this episode. If you can take 60 seconds to leave a review on iTunes, it really helps the show and makes the podcast easier for people to discover. It's super easy to do, and I'd really appreciate it. Visit sfdnetwork.com slash review to leave your rating. Thank you for your support and help.